Sure do thank the Lord for His goodness. Look here with me, if you would, tonight in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 1. I want to preach to you a message called, Jesus is Better. Jesus is better. You, you say, what's he better than? Well, what can you compare him to? Amen. Amen. I don't know how your day's gone. I don't know how your week's gone, but I can tell you this. If you're down in the dumps and you had all hell break loose, so to speak, Jesus is better. But I will say, I will say at the same time, if everything went your way this week, Jesus is better than that too. Amen. Amen. Sure is. Look here in Hebrews chapter 1 and look in verse 1. The Bible says, God who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. The Lord Jesus Christ purge your sins by himself. He didn't need any help. Uh, you, the Lord didn't die at Calvary so that he could get you a good head start and so that you could finish the job. When he was hanging at Calvary, Jesus Christ said right before he died, he said, it is finished. It's over. It's over. I'm not trying to get saved. I'm not trying to get saved. I'm saved. I'm not saved because I'm a good guy. You come and live at my house and get to know me real well, you'll know that that's the, that's the case. Or you can just save the time and go talk to my wife. That's right. That's, that's a God's honest truth. I'm not on my way to heaven. I don't have assurance of my salvation because I am on my way to heaven. But I'm not on my way to heaven because I'm a good fellow or because I've earned my way there. I'm on my way to heaven and I know it because Jesus purged my sins by himself. He purred. You know, when you get done with a job, you know what you do? You sit down. What you reckon the Lord's doing according to the verse right now? He's sitting down. You say, why? He's done. He's done. There ain't nothing else that has to be done in order for you to be saved. You don't have to join a church. You should join a church, but we don't join churches because we need to be saved. You don't tithe to get saved. Uh, listen, listen, if anybody ought to shout on that, Baptist ought to shout on that. Baptist is some of the tightest people that this world has ever seen, especially Southern Baptists. And I'm not talking about the denomination. I'm talking about Baptists that live in the South. Listen, if it depended on your tithing to get you to heaven, some of y'all would be in hell right now. Amen. That's a great blessing. Uh, you say, Brother Nathan, you're chewing us out. No, I'm telling you, you should be swinging from the chandeliers what four we have left. Amen. Amen. No, you don't tithe to get saved. Amen. Amen. You say, why? Jesus took care of it all. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. I owe it all to Jesus. When he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty, capital M. No doubt about who that is. Yes, sir. He said in another place, I believe it's in 1 Timothy chapter 6, he said in his times he'll show who is the blessed and only potentate, capital P. You say, what's that mean? I don't know, but it sounds real important. That's right. That's right. Uh, uh, President of the United States is nowhere near important as that majesty. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's where Jesus is sitting on the right hand of the majesty on high. Listen. 
Listen, I'm concerned about who's sitting in the president's office. I, I really am. I, I would say I'm not worried about that. But I, I, I kind of get a little excited about who's going to get that seat. But I tell you what, you let the devil sit in the, in the president's seat of the United States of America. What makes the difference is who's sitting at the right hand of majesty. And Jesus is sitting there. I'm not sitting there. Of course, I am in him. You're not sitting there. Of course, you are in him if you trusted Christ. But me and my fleshly condition, me and my carnal condition that I'm in right now, I'm not sitting at the right hand of the majesty on high. Jesus is. Yes, sir. Being made so much better. There he is. He's better. Jesus is better. Being made so much better than the angels as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Than who? The angels. Jesus is better. Father, help us tonight, God. I pray that you'd help me, God, Lord, to just preach, Lord, what you put on my heart, on my mind. God, Lord, I pray that you'd help me, Lord, to exalt your name, God, here for a little while. And, Lord, I pray you'd just have your will and way, God, Lord. There's people, God, of all kinds of different backgrounds, God, that have all kinds of different needs. God, no way that I could know, Lord, everything that's going on in every heart. But, God, I know that you know. And, Lord, I pray that the power of the Holy Spirit, God, Lord, the conviction of the Holy Ghost would be present. God, Lord, I pray that you take the truth and, God, make it real. Lord, help us, God. Help me to preach as I ought to preach. Lord, help me to preach, God. Help me to preach, Lord, I pray. I pray for liberty. We'll thank you for it in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The book of Hebrews is a book of better things. You read some commentary about the book of Hebrews and they'll tell you, oh yeah, Hebrews is the book of better things. And I don't contest that statement. I don't argue with that statement because when you look through the book of Hebrews, when you read it, you'll find that concept throughout the entire book. There's 13 chapters and I take it that the book was written by the apostle Paul. And what Paul is going through in the book of Hebrews is he's writing to a bunch of Jews and he's trying to tell them, hey, Jesus Christ is better. Better than what? Anything. Particularly what he's trying to explain to them is that Jesus Christ, everything that you find back in the Old Testament, under the Old Testament economy, Jesus Christ is better. Jesus Christ, hey, hey, listen, what you find in the Old Testament economy was not drab and dry and dull. Paul himself said in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, that Old Testament economy was something that was glorious. It was wonderful. You say, why, why would you say, why would Paul say something like that? Well, just think about it for a second. Paul, uh, Moses goes up on Mount Sinai, and when he goes up there, who's he talking to? Huh? Joe Biden? Who's he talking to? Nancy Pelosi? No, he'd probably, he'd probably kill Nancy Pelosi. But he not, you know, you know who he's talking to? He's talking to God himself. You say, how do you know he was talking to God himself? Because when he came down, the Bible said that, that his face, the, his countenance shone. That's what happens when somebody gets into the presence of God. Their face starts shining. Now, you're not going to look like an uh, 8,000 lumen flashlight if you get in the presence of God. But I tell you this, you get in the presence of God, there'll be some aspects of your life that start shining. Yes, sir, you start getting in the presence of God, nobody have to tell you to be a witness for Jesus. You'll be walking around singing this little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. You do it gladly. You do it with joy in your heart. You do it because, hey, I've been in God's presence. I'm glad, glad, happy to let my light shine because... God's light's been shining on me. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Amen. Somebody, you say, what you so spun up for? Somebody said this past week on social media, on, on Facebook, that Baptist is always mad about things. And I beg to differ. 
I'm a Baptist and I'm not mad. I'm happy. I'm mad at some people, but I'm glad about Jesus. Amen. You say why? Because Jesus is better than people. Amen. Amen. Some people need a punch in the nose. I'm just running a little rabbit trail right here. Uh, some folks need a punch in the nose. Somebody probably cut you off in traffic today, especially you fellas driving around Jacksonville. God have mercy on your poor soul. But you fellas driving around Jacksonville, probably somebody cut you off and you wanted to punch him in the nose. All I'm going to tell you is that you don't ever have to worry about trying to punch Jesus in the nose because he don't deserve it. Amen. Amen. Jesus is better. Jesus is better than that ignoramus. Amen. You can shout about that. Yes, sir. Might not be the kind of preaching that you like or might not be something that you entirely identify with, but I tell you this, you can identify with the fact Jesus is better. Let me get back to this sermon. Jesus is better than everything that you find under the Old Testament economy. He's better than the sacrifices in the Old Testament. Hey, in that Old Testament economy, there's a priesthood. In the book of Hebrews, you find out Jesus Christ is better He's better than the Old Testament priesthood. Let me tell you something about that Old Testament priesthood. That Old Testament priesthood in the Old Testament, it could never, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, it could never, 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 never take away sins. Jesus did. Jesus took them away. Hey, listen, you can come up with a new priesthood this day and time and say that that priest is going to take away sins, but he ain't never going to take away sins. You say, why? Because only Jesus can take away sins. Only Jesus can take away sins. You ain't going to find, you ain't going to find no, you ain't going to find no priest in this day and time going to take away no sins. He's an imposter. He's an imposter. Jesus is the only high priest that there is. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Jesus Christ made a nation in the Old Testament. I say Jesus Christ. God made a nation in the Old Testament, Israel. And you know, that's God's people. And, I, and listen, they're a hard-headed, stiff-necked group of people just like Americans, just like Baptists, just hard-headed, insisting on doing things their own way. Listen, I, I, I get pretty judgmental when I read through the Old, the, through the Old Testament and get pretty aggravated with, with uh, the children of Israel. I read through yesterday through the book of Numbers where God came through on the other side of, of the flood and he comes through and he's getting ready to take them into the land of Canaan. And they get there in Kadesh Barnea and they say, oh, we can't go in. Oh, we can't make it in there because, you know, God told it, God brought us out of Egypt and, you know, he only parted the Red Sea and drowned all Pharaoh's army in the bottom of the sea. And we saw their horses and their men and their chariots and whatever else come floating up to the top and washing up on the seashore. But these giants are too big for God. And you know what? God came down right at the door of the tabernacle and he looked at Moses. He said, how long is these hard-headed bunch of morons going to just keep disbelieving me for all of the mighty miracles that I've showed them? You say, I don't, I don't believe that the Lord would talk that way. Well, that's the NIV. That's the Nathan Ivory version. The Lord certainly does. The Lord certainly does talk about that way. He said, how long are these people going to be hard-headed and hard-hearted? You know, listen, listen, you've you gone through this week and uh, maybe you had something go on this week or maybe got some bad news. I, I don't know what it is, but I'm telling you, I know somebody who's got the answer to all your problems. And it ain't me. I can't sign my name behind, uh, who's going to fill in the blanks all these ways? I can't sign my name there, but I know Jesus Christ can. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And I know if he don't answer him this side, if he don't answer him this side of eternity, when you get over yonder, you'll know something more than you know now. 
Yes, sir. Paul said, Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, he said, then I'm going to know even as I'm known. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That'd be something to shout about too. I'm just try and give you stuff to shout about. Let me look over here at Colossians chapter 1 and read you this right quick. The Bible says in Colossians 1 verse 13, he said, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. He's talking about God right there. God hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. And he said, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Oh, I, I turned my page. Then he said, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. And then he goes, well, let, let, it's just so good. I can't skip any of it. He says, verse 16, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were made by him and for him, and he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Yes, sir. He said, and he is the head of the body, the church. You say, who's the church? The body of Christ. You ever trusted Christ as your personal Savior? You've been put into his body. That is the church. The church is not headed up over in Rome. The church, hey, I got news for you. The church is not headed up in Salt Lake City, Utah. The church is headed up somewhere far beyond this universe. Our head is seated at the right hand of the throne of majesty on high. That's where our head is. Amen. You say, well, I, I got to get in touch with headquarters to talk to them about how you doing all this preaching tonight. Well, you'll have to get on your knees and address him that way. Yes, sir. Brother Nathan, I'm going to file a complaint about all this rowdy preaching. Well, you're going to have to get a hold of headquarters and he's not here. He's somewhere up there. You're going to have to get on your knees and start addressing him. Yes, sir. He's the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. You know why Jesus Christ died at Calvary, was buried and rose again the third day according to the scriptures? He did that for your sins. Then he ascended up on high, and he's sitting at the right hand of the throne of majesty. You know why he did that? So that one day, well, so that, let me just put it this way, so that he can have the preeminence in all things. That includes in your life. That includes in your heart and mind. That includes in your affection, so that he can have the preeminence in all things. Boy, you'd be a lot better shape if you started living that way with that in mind. Yes, sir. Just, hey, is this going to let Jesus have the preeminence in all things? Why would I want to do that, Brother Nathan? Because Jesus is better. You know, where we get into a large mess, we stop believing that Jesus is better. So, oh, no, Brother Nathan, I know Jesus is better than Buddha. Okay. I know Jesus is better than Confucius. Okay. I know that Jesus is better than Joseph Smith. Huh? I know Jesus is better. Let me ask something. Do you believe he's better than you? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. If he's better than you, you deserve to, he deserves for you to listen to him as opposed to you listening to you. Listen, I tell you what, every time I've ever gotten in trouble, you know how I got there? It wasn't by listening to my wife. Of course, she ain't helped me sometimes. Some of you are so grieved you can't even say amen to that. You know, you know why, how I got in trouble? I got in trouble by listening to me. 
I don't trust me. Listen, I, I wake up tomorrow morning and everything that I'm saying right now will probably be erased from my mind, but it's true nonetheless. And when I'm in my right mind, I don't trust me as far as I can throw me. You ever met somebody? Boy, when they come and you just look at them and go, oh, always asking for a dollar. Hey, I'll pay you back next Tuesday or I'll pay you back next payday whenever it is that you get paid. Never happens. You know who that is? That's you. Untrustworthy. Jesus is better. He's better than me. He's better than you. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Uh, let me tell you a couple of things that he's better than. We'll just go home. We'll just throw a fit for a little while. If God help us and we'll go home. Let me say this. Jesus is better than the prophets. He's better than the prophets. Look at what he said right here in Hebrews 1. He said, God who at sundry times and in diverse manners. That means in different times and in different ways. That's what that phrase means. You just need your little dictionary. He said, God who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. Let me say this. Jesus, the God, let me put it this way. God is not the subject of scientific experimentation. God is the subject of revelation. He said, Brother Nathan, I want to know something about God. God's going to have to reveal himself. He said, oh, no, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get up into space, and I'm going to find out where God is, if he's even real. See, that's why NASA doesn't believe that there is a God. That's why all these educated scientists, if they even educated, if you can use that term loosely. But you say, Brother Nathan, you don't have a whole lot of confidence in education, not in the way it's going now. Right. Yes, sir. I believe right education starts right here. Yes, sir. And I don't have a whole lot of confidence in men that say that they're educated and don't even understand the fact that they're sinners. Hey, are you a sinner? Oh, no, no, I'm not a sinner. You're out of your mind. You don't even know the basic things. Amen, amen. But anyways, uh, God is not the subject of scientific experimentation. You're not going to get up into heaven and take a slice off of God and put him in a, stuff, uh, in a, in a, in a test tube and figure out, I wonder what God's matter. No, you're not going to do that. God, if God's going to deal with men, if God's going to deal with sinful creatures, obnoxious sinners like me and you, I said obnoxious sinners. You know what obnoxious means? Just, just in your face, just kind of always, that's, that's who we are. We're obnoxious. You, you are an obnoxious sinner. Yes, sir. You know how God's going to deal with us? He's going to deal with us by revelation. God's going to reveal himself. You say, where's that revelation at? Well, look at what he said. He said, God who at sundry times and in diverse manners, he spake. You know how God reveals himself? He reveals himself through what he says. See me? If I didn't say anything, all you could say is, hey, I've seen him. That's all you'd know. Hey, have you ever seen Brother Nathan? Oh, yeah. He's about six feet tall, weighs about 100 pounds soaking wet. Looks like he needs a worming. Yes, sir. See, see, uh, got a comb over, had one ever since he came out of his mother's womb. Uh, I, don't, I don't know that that's the case, but that's what I've been told. People make fun of me about that, and that's okay. Stand sideways, stick my tongue out, look like a zipper. But see, all you know, all you know is what you've seen. You don't know me. Go ask my wife. Go ask my children. Hey, you know Nathan Irie? Oh, yeah, I know him. I was talking to my good friend, Brother Mike, Brother Mike Easter. I, I love Brother Mike, and this is not a sermon about Brother Mike, but I will brag on him a little bit. I love my old preacher. I sure do. I have a lot of respect for him. And we was talking about some things and so forth and so on, and he said, he, he made this comment. He said, see, a lot of people, they think they know Mike Easter. He said, but they don't know Mike Easter like you know Mike Easter. 
And that's the truth. That's the truth. A lot of people think they know the Lord. But see, all you know about God is just a couple of things here and there. You don't know him. You know why? You ain't never opened his word and let him talk to you. Yes, sir. And God, if God's going to deal with men the way that he deals with men is by his word. He, he deals with men by his word. He speaks. Well, he spake unto the fathers, the fathers by, by the prophets. You know, one of the ways that he speaks, you know, if, if God doesn't reveal himself by scientific experimentation, if that's not the way that God reveals himself, if the way that God reveals himself is through revelation, then what that does is that puts God out of the reach of a lot of people. You say, what do you mean? It puts God out of the reach of somebody who has more confidence in their intelligence than they do in the mercy and grace of God. All these educated folks is running around saying, where is God? I don't believe that he exists. I don't believe that he's there. That's because you're looking in the wrong place. You're looking in your college textbook. How about opening up his book? Most, most, a lot of educated people right out of seminary don't even believe that we got God's book. Well, that's the best translation that we can have in English. Phooey. Phooey. I believe I got God's word. I believe, I believe, let me just go ahead and hair lip you. I believe that is as much God's word as the original's word, wherever they're at. You say, you couldn't prove it. I bet I could from the scripture. Amen. Yes, sir. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Yes, sir. Got to be somewhere. I believe I got a copy. So I don't, I don't believe that's an intelligent way of looking at things. I know that's my point. That's why you can't find God. That's why your life is in a mess. That's why you're so dissatisfied with everything. That's why you bicker. That's why you got discontent in your heart and you're never satisfied. The eyes of man is never satisfied. Therefore, hell and destruction are never full. Yes, yeah, sir. Boy, that's good preaching even if I'm doing it. It's true preaching. Whether it's good preaching, I don't know, but it's true preaching. Yes, sir. I believe I got God's book. God speaks. God speaks and he speaks through his prophets. He speaks through his prophets. God's got little male men. Yes, sir. Uh, you probably, uh, of course, that's, that's beyond our time. Now we've got emails. Get one of those, get one of those, send out one of those little emails and type in the address wrong and it sends back this little notice from a mailer demon. That's a mailer daemon. I guess that's how you call it. D-A-E-M-O-N. I always call them mail demons. That's, that's the notice that you get back that says, hey, we couldn't deliver this to the intended participant or the recipient, rather, not participant. Yes, sir. But see, now I've done lost half of you because you don't even know what I'm talking about. Let me get back to mailmen. We'll, we'll get back down here to Folkestone, Georgia. Here we got these little mailmen. They running around. And they, you don't always enjoy seeing the mailman come around. You say, well, no, I love the mailman. Not when he brings you that uh, four or $500 electric bill that you've been getting through the summer. Yes, sir. I think we all need to move down to Brother Curtis's and live off grid. <laughs> he probably won't appreciate that. Don't go down to Brother Curtis's and say, Brother Nathan sent me. He'll be upset with me. Uh, but anyways, if you leave the church, brother, I'm following you. <laughs> uh, that's right. That's right. But I tell you what, God's got little mailmen. You know who one of those mailmen was in the Old Testament? Oh, Elijah. I'm kind of partial to Elijah myself. I like Elijah. You know what God said? You know what Jesus said in the New Testament about John the Baptist? He said, there, ain't, there is not a better prophet that has ever lived than John the Baptist. 
And you know what was said about John the Baptist? He came in the spirit and power of Elijah. Elijah's the man. In the last chapter of Malachi, it's foretold that before the Lord Jesus Christ comes back on that white stallion and sets up his kingdom in Jerusalem and rules and reigns over this entire world, that's going to happen one of these days. I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to the day that he gets the glory that he rightfully deserves. But he said before that takes place, he said, oh, Elijah's going to come back. And sure enough, it takes place right there in the book of Revelation. And you know what he's doing in the book of Revelation? The same thing he was doing in the Old Testament. If I be a prophet, let fire come down out of heaven and consume you and your 50. That's a prophet. The Bible says in the book of Revelation, when they show up in the tribulation, they have power to bring fire down out of heaven. They say, it says in the book of Revelation that they've got power. The two witnesses, one of them's Elijah. I'll let you figure out who the other one is. And it ain't Enoch. It's not Enoch. It's Elijah. Anyways, we'll just leave it at that. We'll let you go home and sweat it out a little bit. But here they are. They got power to shut up the heaven that it might not rain. Well, that's old Elijah. The Bible says in the book of James, in the book of James, old Elijah got down on his knees and he prayed earnestly that it wouldn't rain. And you know what God did? God reached over there to the water faucet and said, three and a half years, no rain. And about the time Elijah couldn't find no water nowhere, he got down on his knees and he said, God, I need a drink. It's time to turn the water back on. And the Lord said, reek, reek, reek. And here enough, the heavens gave forth rain according to James chapter 5. So I don't believe in that stuff. I know. But you believe in Star Wars and the force. <laughs> that beats all I ever seen. Yes, sir. Gee, hey, hey, Elijah's pretty, pretty important fella. Elijah's pretty powerful. But you know, you get into the New Testament and all... Old Jesus Christ is, I say old Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is walking around with his old disciples. That's what I meant to say. He's walking around with his disciples, and there's some fellas that don't believe him. And they get over there, and they say, Hey, Lord, you want us to call fire down out of heaven like Elijah did on those people that didn't believe him? And you know what Jesus said? He said, You don't know what spirit you're of. He said, The Son of Man's not come to destroy men but to save them. You say, well, he let them do it in the Old Testament. I tell you, I tell you, listen, with all the power that Elijah had in the Old Testament, you know what he didn't have power to do? He didn't have power to change men's hearts. All that getting down on his knees and saying, God, Ahab and Jezebel is turning this country into a mess. God, turn the rain off. God, don't let it rain. God, turn the rain off. You know what men didn't do? They didn't get right with God. Elijah got back down on his knees. God, turn the water back on. God, let it rain. God, this place needs a lot of rain. God, turn it back on. You know what they didn't do? They didn't repent. All the power, all the power that Elijah had, he didn't have power. He didn't have power to change men's hearts. You know who does? Jesus does. You know what that means? Jesus is better. Jesus is better. You say, Brother Nathan, I'm kind of for all that stuff of raining fire out of heaven and turning the water faucets off. Listen, Jesus, that's not Jesus' first option. That's not what the Lord wants to do. God wants to save men. You say, why? Because Jesus is better. That's the way. That's the way that we deal with folks. Somebody make you mad, your spouse make you mad, and you're ready to put your hands around their neck and just squeeze until the life disappears. That's not what Jesus does. You say, why? Because he's better. He's better. He's better. Jesus Christ is better. And you know what he says right here? He says, he hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son. You know what God did? He sent prophet after prophet after prophet after prophet after prophet. 
And then he let it get quiet for 400 years. And he said, you know what? I'm going to send the best right now. He said, I saved my best for last. I don't know when you sit down to eat at dinner. I don't know how you like to eat, but we usually typically save dessert for last. Now, some people are afraid that they're going to die before they get to dessert, so they eat dessert first. But traditionally, traditionally in this country, you save it for last. Why? Because it's better. It's better. The last thing I want to, now listen, I'm for me some Mississippi purple holes with some bacon or some, some fried pork thrown in there or some kind of something. I'm for all that. I'm for that being on my taste buds. But what I'd really rather have is maybe some nanner pudding or maybe some pecan pie or German chocolate cake. And I don't really care a whole lot for chocolate, but I want the best on my taste buds last. God said, I'll, send my, I'll save my son for last, and I'll send him now. He hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son. You say, why? God, Jesus is better than the prophets. Let me say this. He better than the angels. He said right here in verse 4, he said, Being made so much better than the angels, as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. He said, For unto which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Let me ask you something. Which one of the angels did the Lord, did God the Father go to and say, hey, you're my son? Not one of them. God never, God never went to Michael the archangel. Michael the archangel is a very important individual in your Bible. Uh, let me just say it this, and I mean no slang. I, I mean no kind of disrespect that is. Uh, Michael the archangel is a bad dude. Yes, sir. You say, how bad is he? Well, in the book of Revelation, he throws out the, the, the devil out of the second heaven, casts him down to the earth. All he's waiting for, listen, all he's waiting for is for the word from God to say, go ahead. But God never, God the Father never looked at Michael the archangel and said, you're my son. Oh, Gabriel, every time you ever find something needing to be said from God to men, especially in regards to the Lord Jesus Christ, you find old Gabriel standing faithful. Reporting for duty, sir. God never looked at Gabriel and said, you're my son. You say, why? Because Jesus is better than the angels. He ain't never looked at no angel. It kind of amazes me that people give all this interest to all these angels when they're the ones that snap their feet at attention and stand up straight and say, Lord, reporting for duty. You know, I don't ever find anywhere in the scriptures, I don't find anywhere in the scriptures where Jesus ever served any angels. But I find several times where the angels, one particular place when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane and the sweat was coming out of his face, the Bible said, as great drops of blood. You know who was there strengthening him? The angels. You say, why? That's who they report to. Yes, sir. Some of you got more interest in angels than you do in Jesus, and what you're doing is taking an interest in the privates. Yes, sir. You're taking an interest in the corporals. You're taking an interest in the majors. You need to get interested in the general of the army. He said, I'm the captain of the Lord's host. Yes, sir. Jesus is better. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten angel. No, it's his only begotten son. It's the only one that he had. He got lots of angels. He only got one son, one begotten son. Look in verse 6. He says, and again, when he bringeth the first begotten into this world, into the world, he saith, and let all the angels of God worship him. You know how I know Jesus Christ is better than the angels? Because on that first Christmas evening, 
The Bible said in the book of Luke chapter 2, there was in the, in the heavens a great heavenly host singing and saying, glory to God in the highest, peace on earth and goodwill towards men. There wasn't nobody singing the praises of Elijah when he was born. Hey, there wasn't nobody singing the praises of Moses when he was born. There wasn't nobody singing the praises of Peter when he was born, but there was somebody there singing the praises of the lovely Lamb of God. There wasn't nobody singing the praises of the Virgin Mary when she was born, but they was there singing the praises of the lovely Lamb of God who gave himself to take away the sins of this whole wicked, rotten world. You say, why? Jesus is better. He's better. He's better than the angels. Oh, Manoah gets over there. Manoah is Samson's daddy. Oh, Samson. Angel comes to Samson's mama and says, hey, you're going to have a child and you need to order him this way and this way and make sure he doesn't eat this and make sure he doesn't eat that. Make sure no razor comes upon his head. And Manoah's wife, Samson's mama, runs back to Manoah and says, hey, there was a man of God that came to me and told me we're going to have a baby and this is what we're supposed to do. And Manoah dropped to his knees and said, God, if she's right, that sounds just like a fella. Wife come in and say something. Oh, I'm not sure about that. I'll have to pray about it. Lord, you're going to have to show me that it's right. Sounds just like a fella. He said, Lord, if she's right, would you send the man of God back and let him come to us? And lo and behold, it wasn't too much longer. I think somewhere around a week, here shows up this angel again. And Manoah wasn't nowhere near to be found again. I think Manoah might have needed to take a bath or something. Maybe there was something that that angel didn't like about Manoah. But she said, hang on right here. And she went and got Manoah and brought him in there. And he said, hey, what are we supposed to do with the child? And he said, everything that I've told her is exactly what you're supposed to do. You know what Manoah said? He said, what's your name? So that when all these things come to pass, we can do you honor. You know what that angel said? Well, my name is such and such, and make sure you make out that, no. You know what he said? He said, why do you ask about my name? See, and it's a secret. He said, it ain't none of your business. He said, that's not what's important. What's important is not what my name is. What's important is the one who gave me the instructions to bring to you. Yes, sir. Oh, John gets over there in the book of Revelation. John gets over there in the book of Revelation. And he gets there in Revelation, and there's some individual leading him around. And John is so taken up with things. And, man, he's just so enamored with everything that he's seeing in the book of Revelation. And he falls down before this individual, whoever it is, and he begins to worship him. You know what that individual does? Oh, no. Oh, no. Don't you do that. He said, get up. He said, you worship God. You say, why? That old angel understood. He understood Jesus is better. You know, that sounds just like a, a bunch of Christians. It sounds like a bunch of people. They get taken up in some form of worship. You know who else did that? Oh, Peter. Peter got taken up in some kind of a worship service. But, you know, it gets up there on the Mount, Mount of Transfiguration, and all of a sudden them fellas are sleeping about like a bunch of Baptists sleeping in church. And all of a sudden something takes place with Jesus and Boy, his, his garments has changed. They're white and glistening white, whiter than the fuller soap can make them. Boy, he starts seeing this thing poke through his little uh, sleepy eyelids, and he cracks open an eye, and all of a sudden, hey, it was Jesus. Now there's two other fellows. That's Moses and Elijah, by the way. That'll give you a hint about who those two witnesses are in Revelation. But anyways, I wake up, and Peter's looking around. He says, Boy, this is awesome. You know what Peter says? Spoken like a good charismatic. He says, this is an awesome, 
worship experience. You know what he says? He says, Lord, he said, it's wonderful for us to be here. And he was right about that even though he was sleeping. Hey, God's here. God's doing something. It's wonderful for us to be here. He said, let's make us three tabernacles and we'll just stay up here. One for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. I bet old Peter thought, oh, yeah, boy, I really got brownie points with Jesus now. You know, about that time, there was a bunch of clouds that settled in over that little mountainside and just covered everything to where he couldn't even see Jesus. He couldn't see Moses. He couldn't see Elijah. He couldn't see uh, James and John. But all of a sudden, that smoke filled that place, and all of a sudden, he heard a voice like thunder, and it said, this is my beloved son. Hear him. You say, who was that? That was God the Father speaking to stupid old Peter out of heaven saying, hey, Jesus is better than the law. That's Moses. And the prophets, that's Elijah. He's better. He's better. I say this, Jesus is better than your little worship service. And I'm for worship services. I'm for things getting on. I'm for, I'm for things getting excited. But Jesus is better. Listen, if we all came in here dead as a hammer and everybody sat here and stared at me like a frog sitting on a bump on a log, Jesus is still better. Jesus is still better. He's still better. He's better than your little worship experience. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Jesus is better than spiritual things. That's what the angels are. We got into a place now, boy, we've we gotten into a place now to where people is constantly trying to push the church of Jesus Christ towards spiritual things, but not towards Jesus. Yes, sir. The supernatural. Let's get in a church service and let's make some mood music. Yes, sir. Let's, let's get everything just wired just right. And we'll kind of get everybody into the mood. And when the preacher says the right word, we're going to milk everybody and get them down at the altar and get them to go through some kind of emotional experience. And boy, they're really going to be, quote, unquote, helped. Let me tell you something. Jesus is better than all that stuff. Jesus is better. It's the real thing. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, let me tell you something. When Jesus Christ died at Calvary, there wasn't no mood music. When Jesus Christ was up on the Mount of Transfiguration, there wasn't no mood music. When Jesus Christ resurrected on that first Easter morning, there was no mood music. Yes, sir. You say, why? Because Jesus didn't need any of it. He's better. He's better. He's better. He's better. He's better. He's better than the angels. He's better than the prophets. And then let me say this. He's better than creation. Look at what he says. Look at what he says. He says, thou, verse, verse 8, he says, but unto the Son, he saith, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. Thou hast loved righteousness and hated iniquity. Therefore God, even thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. And thou, Lord, in the beginning hast laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of thine hands. You know, you go and see a nice house that's built. There's a lot of houses around here. Some of them double wide trailers, but some of them is actually stick built houses sitting on foundations. You know, I ain't never seen nobody get down there in front of a foundation and try to start up or in front of a house that's built and try to start up a conversation and say, man, you're such a wonderful house. I really like you, man. It's just, it's really, it's, you really, you're so beautiful. You know what they usually do? They go find the individual that built it. They say, hey, How'd you make that? Well, I did this and I did this. Yeah, but why, why did you do it this way? I saw, look, got a little angle in the roof right here. Why'd you do it that way? 
Jesus made everything that you see. He made it all. He made it all. He said, Thou, Lord, in the beginning hast laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the works of thine hands. They shall perish, but thou remainest. They shall all wax old as doth a garment, and as a vesture, as a vesture, thou shalt fold them up, and they shall be changed. But thou art the same, and thy years shall not fail. You know how I know Jesus is better than the creation? First of all, I know Jesus is better than the creation because of the disorder that takes place in men's minds when they begin to worship creation rather than the creator. Romans chapter 1 des describes the downward, the downward spiral of a man who begins to operate in his imagination and begins to worship four-footed beasts and creeping things and flying fowl. He begins to worship all that stuff as opposed to worshiping the creator. Shame on you if you're more excited about saving the spotted owl than you are about giving the honor and glory that's due your creator. Listen, don't, don't talk to me. Don't talk to me about locking my dog up into a, in a car in the heat of the summer if you ain't got down on your knees this morning and talked to the creator. I, I don't lock my dogs up in a car. I wouldn't do that because I've got a little bit more of a heart than that. But all I'm saying is you're going to get upset about that but you're more worried about some dog that's being put down. You're about some, worried about some dog more than you are worried about the God that made them. So I just wonder why America is in such a shape that it's in. I wonder why all these countries is in the shape that, that it's in. It's because God's let their minds get dark because people begin to worship creation rather than the one that made them. Yes, sir. Yes, sir, when you can take the life, listen, when you can take the life of unborn babies and holler and holler and holler about putting dogs on chains and leaving them in your backyard and, you know, all, all this other unusual and cruel punishment to all these animals, you need your head examined. Yes, sir, you say, what is that? That's a disorder that begins to take place when men begin to worship what God made rather than who made it all. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You say, why? Why does that take place? Because God, Jesus, Jesus is better than the creation. He's better than what he made. Yes, sir. You say, why do you know that Jesus is better? Because one day Jesus is going to sit in judgment and heaven and earth ain't going to be here. Revelation chapter 20, verse 11 and verse 12, the Bible said, he said, and I saw a great white throne set and the judgment was set, and he said, from whose faith, the, the one who sat upon that throne, he said, from his face, the heavens and the earth fled away, and there was no place found for them. Listen, the very earth that Jesus Christ walked on when his glory was concealed, when it was veiled behind this robe of flesh, in that day, in that day when he sits in judgment upon all of the wicked, when he sits in judgment upon all of the nations, when, when it's the final judgment and all of his glory is unbridled, heaven and earth looks at him and says, Oh, oh, that's who made us? Yes, sir. You say, why? Jesus is better. Jesus is better. Jesus is better. Let me read you a verse from 2 Peter chapter 3. The Bible said, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. He said right here in Hebrews chapter 1, he said, this is all going to pass away. He said, but you're going to be here just the same. 
The Bible said that God is going to take the universe off like he does a vesture, like he does a garment. He's going to take it off. And he's going to fold it up and he's going to set it over here. And the Bible says in the book of Isaiah, Behold, I make a new heavens and a new earth. Jesus is going to make it all over. You say, what? Jesus is better. Let me say this and I'll close. Let me say this. The creation knows who Jesus is. The creation knows that he's better. You remember that story where the disciples got out one evening and they get on the Sea of Galilee. They all load up. Here's these 12 disciples. They load up in this ship. And they set out, and Jesus Christ is in the boat with them. And Jesus says, boys, let me know. Wake me up when we get to the other side. And he gets out there, and they get out. And I, I don't know where they were at on the Sea of Galilee, on the Sea of Tiberias. It's the same place. And all of a sudden, a storm comes up. And boy, them fellas get real nervous, real nervous. And they start crying out for fear. The Bible said as, as fast as they was putting water out, it was coming in. And, you know, them fellas started hollering. Them fellas started making some noise. And, you know, that's, I, I find it hard to believe that that is the first place, that that's the first time that a storm has ever made some men nervous on the Sea of Galilee. I find it hard to believe that that would have been the first time that a boat ever went to the bottom of the Sea of Galilee. You know, men have set out across the Sea of Galilee See, Galilee been around for a long time. You say, how long? I don't know, but a long time. I don't know when it got put there. Maybe it was put there during creation. Maybe it came afterwards, but it been there. That's a lot of time for men to make boats or make them little log rafts and float out there a little ways and a storm to come up and they not be able to get back. And they're at the bottom of the Sea of Galilee. That Sea of Galilee had heard many a time, heard a fella out there on that sea and saying, Oh, God, save us! All to no avail. Boy, them boys got out there and they, I don't know if you've ever been in rocky waters. I went out on, on, on a fishing trip one time with my daddy and Eddie Story. And boy, them things, them, them waves, God, I don't, I don't know how high they are, but it felt like 50 feet tall. I know it wasn't that tall. It was probably only three feet. But when you're used to walking on solid ground, three feet's high. One foot is high. Yes, sir. When you got to turn the ship, the, the boat sideways and go across those breakers, just so that it don't roll your boat. Boy, that's too high for me. Get me on the St. Mary's or Satilla River. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm like Brother Schuyler about that. If I can't swim back to shore, it's too far out. Yes, sir. Not the first time. Listen, it's not the first time Sea of Galilee ever had a boat out there and tossed it to and fro and them fellas out there said, Oh, God. Oh, God, help us. But you know what? The Sea of Galilee hadn't taken into consideration. I'm talking about it like it's a person. It didn't know who was resting in the belly of that ship. Yes, sir. That night was different from all other nights. That night, a single man, single-handedly, stepped out on the front of that ship, spread his hands out, and he said, Peace! Be still! And as soon as creation heard that, they said, That's him. No doubt. No doubt about who that was. They didn't argue. They didn't act like a Baptist. They didn't act like a four or five or 17-year-old kid. They just said, oh, yes, sir. Oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Creation knows. Creation knows. Yes, sir. Well, Peter gets out there one day, and they're fishing with the Lord Jesus Christ. They get out there fishing with the Lord, and the Lord, I believe, he launches out off the shore, and he says, hey, he says, uh, 
let's get out here so I can teach these people. And the Lord teaches these people and he turns and he looks at his disciples that's in the boat with him and he says, let's launch out here into the deep and y'all let your, let your nets down for a draw to fishes. Peter says, Lord, you do know I'm a commercial fisherman, don't you? And he says, yeah, I know, just let, let, let's go out here. Peter says, Lord, we've been fishing all night and we haven't caught anything. It's time for us to go to bed now. The Lord said, Peter, I know, just launch out there a little ways and throw your nets out there. Okay. Peter bites his pride. He pushes his pride down and he gets out there. And lo and behold, he takes his nets and he lets them down off the side of that ship. And somehow they start pulling them up. I don't know how they pulled them up, but they started pulling them up. And when they got them up a little bit ways, they... John, come over here and help me. Both of them fellows pulling on the side of those nets and trying to pull it in. James, we need some help. And soon enough, about all 12 of them's over there trying to pull that net in there. And by the time they get them all in the boat, boy, that boat about just sunk down to where the water's starting to come over the side. And you know what Peter did? He went over to the Lord and he said, Lord, he said, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You know what happened? Peter got a glimpse of who he was. Those disciples got a glimpse of who he was. You know what they got a glimpse of? He's better. He's better. You say, what's he better than? Anything. Everything. Jesus is better. And you know what their response was? Lord, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. I'm a sinful man. God, you can't, you can't be around me. You're better than me. Yes, sir. Have you ever got there? You ever looked at the Lord and said, Lord, depart from me, I'm a sinful man. Lord, depart from me, I'm a sinful woman. You will if you see that Jesus is better. Listen, whether you see it tonight, he's better. He's better. Father, thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us tonight. Thank you for being made so much higher than the heavens. God, thank you for being better than every single one of us. God, Lord, I pray that you have your willing way tonight. God, Lord, just, Lord, work in hearts, God, as you see fit. Lord, God, we're unworthy, God, to be able to serve you, God, in the least degree. God, we thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to even lift our unworthy heads, Lord, in your direction. God, help us. Lord, help us, God. Bless these that have come tonight, Lord. I pray, God, you deal with folks, Lord, as they're in the seats. God, just have your will and way, and we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. So I'm going to come tonight. You need to do business with God. Do business with the Lord as he leads. He's a worthy Savior. He's better. He's better. Jesus is better.